I'm very proud to intro Caitlin Perry, one of the kindest, most generous, thoughtful people that I know with the biggest heart. You're going to learn a lot about her, about uh, things that have tested her in her past, her uh, skills and attributes as a teacher, as a mother, as a leader, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. Proudly hosted by me, Chris Little. Without further ado, let's get started. So, welcome to the Lifestyle Chase, episode 59. (laughs) I'm joined by my good friend, Caitlin. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? I'm excellent. You just fed me breakfast. (laughs) And like, this is a podcast redo, so I've actually had two breakfasts. From this podcast episode. <laughs> Couldn't ask Double for Double whammy. Exactly. <laughs> so, what is your favorite thing about this morning so far? Oh, I had a nice friend over. Um, I had some good snuggles from my puppy. Yeah, it's a beautiful day outside. What was life like before you had your puppy? Oh, man. In comparison to now, like what, what changed? How has a puppy changed you? Oh, (laughs) well, I've never owned a dog. This is my first dog. And I always knew that animals were special and should be respected. But now I feel like there's a whole society of animals that I was unaware of before. Now when I see a dog on the street, I feel like I can sense its personality. (laughs) I can see like in its eyes and I feel like it has a story. And I didn't used to feel like that before. Before I kind of felt like they were um I, I'm just gonna say it I felt like they were less than human and now I feel like they're more than human darn right, <laughs> darn right. I've crossed the threshold and I don't regret it at all do you feel like dogs are a good judge of character yeah I agree yeah um it's funny because our dog fits in with us she's chewing the baseboards right now Good job. Paxton, you're going full dog. (laughs) Thank you for a toy. Um, Yeah, I feel like they bring out the best of our character. Yeah. Yeah. We named her Paxton because it means peace. And I felt like she would bring peace to her family. We kind of had a rough year, so... Um, one of my daughters has wanted a dog since she was two years old and now she's 13 so i felt like 11 years of wanting a dog it's she a lot of patience. probably means it yeah yeah <laughs> i think i could count on it so we got a dog and and yeah she's she's bringing us together in in new ways that's awesome <laughs> so as far as your last year has gone what would be the three things that like hit you the hardest um so the three things well, we had a fire last summer. It's been a year, and that was pretty intense. It was, it was super hard and not fun at all. <laughs> but it was also like very eye-opening because sometimes I kind of perceive myself to be a bit of a loner, and I'm okay with it. But um, when that happened, I couldn't deny the amount of community that was around me because. I just had to, I was forced to see outside myself in a new way that was like so touching and moving. Like people came out of the woodwork and people came out in new ways that that are around us all the time, I guess. 
um, just to help us, like, whether it was, like, to help us by talking to us, help us by, like, giving us items that were needed, um, helping us, like, financially. It was, it was astonishing. I, I felt almost overwhelmed. Like, it was, like, you know, people talk about feeling crushed, but it was, like, it was like being crushed into something more wonderful, like when you crush garlic and it becomes better. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, it was Best just... analogy. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> it was like, oh my gosh, like, we should never feel alone. We are not even close to alone. And we're so fortunate. We're so lucky to have all these kind, loving people around us. Well, and just I mean, highlighted it, like, in a way that you could not ignore. When people use the phrase, like, lean into it, and I'm sure you really lived through that in that experience. Like, what what does the term or phrase lean into it mean to you? Oh, man. You know, when that happened, I had a strong urge to lean out. <laughs> like, but it wasn't possible because we were where we were. And, um... I actually had a good conversation with my friend uh, Julia and Je my friends Julia and Jesse, who we stayed with for a couple of weeks. And I, I actually said to him, like, I was crying one morning, and he's saying, "Why? What's up? What's going on?" And I said, "It's just like people keep sending us help, and I'm just like, I almost feel bad accepting it." And he was like, "You know what, though? Like, if it was somebody else, you would be giving them help for sure. So you're just on the receiving end of it, which is uncomfortable because you're not used to it, but." Lead, like allowing them to help you like think of how good you feel when you help someone allow them to have that feeling and I was like oh that's actually a good way to look at it so like leaning in sometimes I think I was misperceiving it to mean like that I would be the one doing kind of the pushing and and the forceful part of leaning but leaning is sometimes not forceful sometimes leaning is um, allowing it's like a trust letting gravity fall. it's like a trust fall yeah that's such a good way to say it. Yeah. So leaning in is like not not always going to feel active, I guess. It sometimes feels really awkward and and unsure. But yeah, but I think that that's what I learned about leaning in. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have two other things that that happened to you over the course of the year or was that about it? Was that the biggest? That was the biggest, I think, for my family. Um, my kids were so resilient through that experience. They really taught me a lot, but it was definitely, um, I kind of felt like I was the captain at the helm of a ship and all my friends and family and community were like the lighthouses along the shore and we were like in a storm. That's kind of how it felt that my kids were like battening down the hatches Yar. Was, yeah, we were pirates <laughs> together. <laughs> um, yeah, and we, we got through it. We got through it. But it was definitely like I felt it very much like in a leadership kind of position during that mm -hmm. experience. Um, I guess you always are as a mom, but more felt, felt it, felt it there. And uh, I don't know, I, w I would say maybe I only have like one other thing that was hard this year really for me personally. Um, and that was like leaving my the decision to leave my my role as a as a fitness leader. That wasn't easy. <laughs> I 
um, I guess in a way it sort of ties into that leaning in concept of knowing where your values lie and being okay with drawing the lines in the sand around yourself and, and kind of positioning yourself unapologetically and and setting setting a standard for what you're gonna allow in your life and not being complacent and just ignoring or letting things slide. Um, yeah, I loved that place for the people that were in it. I love the people that were in it. I still love the people who are in it. <laughs> um, but it's tough when they're like uh, larger forces at play that, that you don't have a lot of control over. Um, well, it all comes down to like a, a lot of how we feel is rooted from something like core values or, or things that really, really deeply matter to us. Mm -hmm. and, um, like the sustainability for someone in any pursuit, whether it be their career or like their relationships or friendships or whatever it may be, is rooted based on like their why, which yeah. stems from core values. Um, so I want to know, like, what what are your core values? What what stands out to be important to you, and not just in the realm of like fitness or family, but mm -hmm. just like overarching things in life. Yeah. So for me, I actually recently was able to kind of really name them. And I think for me, my core values are really just meeting everything and everyone, myself included, my family included, my workplace family included, like inanimate objects included, plants included, the earth included, really everything, just with love, respect, and gratitude. I, I think that um, it starts from within and it's supported from without. Similarly to that leaning in, right? It's a two-way street, everything is. Um, but just being able to, to act and react with as much love, respect, and gratitude as, as you're able to muster and, and trying hard, you know, not just doing what's kind of like easy or uh, convenient, um, but doing the work of, of loving and doing the work of respecting and doing the work of being grateful. Um, I think if I'm able to meet myself with that love, respect and gratitude, I'm already like setting myself up for more positive and more authentic interactions. Um, so, and th those kind of like values are, are so deeply personal that it's, it's hard for things not to be personal. And I think it kind of is important to do things in a way that you can be personally okay. You know, it has to be a win-win. Your, your life has to be a win-win. Well, and if, if you're things, looking after yourself. If things don't create emotion or invoke mm -hmm. emotion, why are you doing them? Exactly. Like, you know, like, when's the last time that you did something that did not shift the way you felt? And how did you feel about doing that thing that did not shift the way you felt? 
how did I feel about something that didn't shift the way that like, I felt? You know, uh, that's actually a big question for me. I've been like thinking a lot recently in, over the last few months about um, emotional information and emotional energy. Because sometimes you might have a very restful day, but if your emotions are not in a good place, you might feel extremely drained. Um, but being able to connect with that information, and I think a lot of times just growing up and, and the way the world works, we're kind of taught to ignore that information or minimize it. And, and that's where we run into problems. The longer I live, I think I said this to you before, but the longer I live, the more I see that like my gut feelings and my you know, little tingly spidey senses, they're not wrong, you know? They're not wrong. They might not tell the whole story. I might not be able to understand the whole story from them, but that's a lot of times just because I haven't fostered my, my own ability to decipher what those feelings mean. Um, yeah, so when, when you're doing things that are, that are not supporting your, your depth of understanding, like, it just, it's not fulfilling. <laughs> yeah, but then you have to think, like, there, there's people that wake up in the morning, they're doing this over and over every day. Mm -hmm. I would say, I would even go so far as to say, not even that it's not fulfilling, it's not really safe. Just with what outcomes it gives in, their, in a person's life, like... It's. It doesn't mean that everybody has to be the same or mm -hmm. follow the same dreams or goals or passions, but mm -hmm. it's pretty special to kind of like get yourself to really understand what sets you apart. And like, I'm a big advocate for being yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's not so much in the way that like, you don't you don't be like somebody else, so you don't get bullied. Like it's like, <laughs> if you understand what makes you who you are, what matters to you then you're going to have an easier time finding people that will truly like be invested in supporting you. Yeah. And it's like, then you're finding, cause there's like two kinds of support. There's support where a person feels that they can leverage somebody else. Yeah. And there's support where someone feels better for being around that person. Yeah. Like, kind of like your energy attracting another person's energy. Yeah. And I truly believe that like people meet each other for a reason or people are in the same place at the same time for a reason. I want you to think I agree, to a time that stands out for you. Like, something that just, like, smacks you in the face. And you're like, holy crap, that one instance, it was just, I was in that place for the right reason. Oh, I was in that place for the right reason. remember don't overthink yeah i'm really like trying to in the right place for the right reason my teacher brain's like no you can't talk about that no you can't talk about that that's confidential <laughs> um because these things happen every day yeah because what what happens is a lot of people aren't open to the idea of acknowledging when these moments happen. Yeah. Um, with being grateful for things, when you have to think of your three things that you're grateful for, more often than not, one of those three things is 
tied to being in the right place at the right time. A lot of people's favorite activities, right place, right time, right people, right time. And that can be their fitness endeavors. Yeah. That can be where, like, when they went grocery shopping, like little mm-hmm. moments. And the thing is that you're you're sort of manifesting what your future outcomes are going to be mm-hmm. by identifying things from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you, you can't get yourself into a trajectory to be growth mindset oriented if you can't identify things that instill growth within okay. you. Well, um, I took a course this summer. There you go. <laughs> I took a course this summer, and and um, part of it was where we had to kind of inquire of the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves, how we tell them, how we retell them, how we relive them. Um, how we share them and like for me it was kind of a full circle moment that I I really needed and I wasn't expecting Um, where like fitness for me I think started out as an act of survivance and and it's grown and evolved into how how it aligns with those those values that I talked about before um, how we take care of ourselves how we take care of each other how we name the things that we do how we name the things that other people do um, it's really all it really all comes down to what we're able to recognize and what we're able to name so those things that we see outside ourselves we're still always naming something within ourselves because we have we have the capability to name it um, but just the that ability to meet myself with love, meet myself with respect, meet myself with gratitude. Um, yeah, see, even my dog's down with it. Dog race. <laughs> um, <laughs> it it all it for me. I just it really hit me hard and saliently that like that was my why in fitness that was the why and that was why it was so important for me to stand up for what I believed in even if it meant walking away which was not easy to do um (coughs) you know having struggled with eating disorder and and depression uh exercise has been like I, I really mean it when I say an act of survivance. Um, I think more people than you know mean it. Mm-hmm. Like when when you see a person share why why certain aspects of fitness mean so much, I think we underestimate just like what what they're talking about. Like and to have things be reduced, you know, by by. Uh, motives that are not holistic is is hard to be around it's hurtful to be around it can downright piss a person off <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it's it's harmful and it should be 
a celebration. And a celebration doesn't always mean it's going to be like, woohoo, this workout feels amazing. Sometimes workouts are really hard, but sometimes you have to do really hard things to love. And sometimes you have to do really hard things to respect. Yeah. And sometimes you have to do really hard things to be grateful. Like, it, it's, it's just, um, it's part of life. And, and life, life carries the condition of healing. Mm-hmm. And and healing is um, I'm just gonna say it. It's a sacred sacred process um, that is just really personal and unique, and it doesn't need to be linear. You know, um, framing fitness in a way that 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 displays it as linear or predictable or even knowable. Like, everybody's journey is going to be different. There were people that came to my class that, you know, I learned things about them that I, I even, like, I was stunned by and inspired by and, and um, motivated by um, in ways that I never expected. <laughs> but it, it just solidified even more for me that You can't reduce human experience. It's not something that's reducible. You can't just put it in a nice, like, tidy capsule package. Yeah. It's like, this person is a fitness person. Well, they are that, but they are also a lot of other things, you know? Maybe they're also, like, a really good baker, and, like, <laughs> maybe they're also really good at weaving, and maybe they cry at cheesy movies, you know? And Probably. those are. It's highly likely. <laughs> <laughs> Not speaking about anyone in particular, <laughs> but you know, it's just like human experience is so vast and yet so um, it's so diverse and yet so universal at the same time that it's irreducible. I think what it comes down to is like things being compartmentalized or boxed, mm-hmm. and like in order to be immersed in in the realm of fitness you need to check off these boxes but I think it's it's more of how can this person learn more about themselves in order to be better for the people around them and everybody has mental capabilities and they have physical capabilities mm-hmm. and everybody's going to have different prerequisites to be able to understand themselves physically better yeah and like as as a trainer my focus is really not on like what the outcomes are like i'm not going to really look at numbers on scales and appearance and stuff because like truly truly like if you're working your ass off to be in an industry you're you're not into it for like the 30-day fix or the 30-day challenge and all that stuff it makes no sense like for myself my (laughs) my my standpoint is you're there to like elicit true, meaningful, long-term, sustainable change for somebody else, and that comes from the inside out. Yeah. That is greatly rooted in mental health. And if people are seeking out a trainer, like they're seeking out support in a time of change, change is scary. It's hard to make change. Like it's it's challenging. And kudos to people who who are trying new things. It's not easy to try new things, or it's not even easy to keep trying at things that you've been trying out for a long time that are hard (laughs) well you know in the moments that we seek out help that's we've already passed the point where we we hit our breaking point Mm -hmm. 
and the amount of like self-talk that went into seeking help and a lot of people in that moment need the most like genuine support possible it's very easy to say yes to a lot of different scenarios and in, in that situation is when it's going to be most beneficial to uh to understand yourself better yeah and so if, if you're going into it with the right intention that you are there to learn more about yourself because like truly it doesn't matter who is in our circle as much as it is very beneficial to have very good people in our circle yeah. if we don't really understand what makes us us mm-hmm. and there's just so much to being active that can change how we perceive ourselves huge and how we rate our abilities like there's there's a lot of people there's so many illnesses and so many obstacles in life and so many things that kind of like knock us down where then we're in this space where we think that we can't do like step ups on a box because we fell down one time. Like I, I've worked with uh, several clients. Uh, one of them, she was getting her MRI to figure out if she was gonna have MS or not. And yeah, like you're gonna hit that obstacle where it's like, okay, that was that was my breaking point. Like mm-hmm. now I'm seeking out my trainer because I need help. But as far as I know, I cannot go upstairs. And I, like, we, we don't really look at what numbers are on the scale because it's more about getting that ability. And then she goes into her own life because, like, a trainer is only with their client for, like, maybe one hour a week. Yeah. And that does not amount to that much. And then, it's an hour of power, though. An hour of an power. An hour of empowering. But you have to almost you look at it as an hour of empowerment. Mm-hmm. Because you need to enable them to take more control over their own outcomes in those other hours. Yeah. It's kind of like... And sometimes the outcome is self-talk, you know? For sure. a huge part of it. A huge part of it. That is the value. Actually, I remember when I worked with you, Chris. Yeah. And I considered myself already pretty empowered at that point. (laughs) And you said to me, you know what? You have these goals, but you need to actually get your sleep in check. Yeah. And that was a huge moment for me because... I was like, like, he sees how tired I am. He sees, like, I'm burning the candle at both ends. And, and I don't feel okay with it, but I don't, I didn't always know that other people could tell. And, and you saying that to me was like, it just took the pressure off pretending that I wasn't tired. Yeah. And that it was okay for me to need sleep. Well, it's important to have people <laughs> like that in our lives. People that can, yeah, that are invested in us in a way that what they are saying is based on them wanting the best case scenario for us. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like that whole idea of giving. Like when you you had the fire and you're like, I have to lean into this, and I feel this pressure that I'm going to need to like pull. But people were like giving, mm-hmm. and it's the same if you have your friendships and relationships based on a shared set of core values. Like I find a lot of the people that I talk to the most is like, we, we have these like commonalities that make it really easy to see eye to eye. And for myself, one of my like TSN turning points was just like this casual chat with my friend Dean Guido. And like, just kind of like, I, I kind of knew that I could eat more protein. And then he was like, dude, yeah, you need to eat more protein. 
<laughs> and just like a simple thing like that. It yeah. wasn't. I wasn't like horrible, but I didn't really factor in just how active I was. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing. I think be, sometimes it's hard to accept when you're doing great things and and hard things, right? Like you kind of are minimizing it, reducing it in your own head when it's like, no, I'm actually killing it. Well, it's because you can do something to a fault. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <coughs> like, it's, it's not hard to do something a lot. It's hard to do something well, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it, it's not hard to go on a treadmill and go on it for like three hours a day. That is just something that we can do, but it, it's hard to do it in a way that will make us grow because there's something that we're telling ourselves that reroutes us and the, the pattern is just not straightforward and so for for myself like it was it was hard to accept that if I wanted to do the things that I wanted to do I had to commit more to myself yeah. like I basically had to like really meal prep a lot well, it's respect of your body, right? Yeah. And and deciding what you're going to accept for how you treat your body, how other people treat your body. Um, that's, like, a huge thing. Like, that's so empowering for people. You talk about that hour of empowerment. Like, being able to even name parts of your body or talk about your body in terms of, like, muscles or, or what you can do, um, how it felt. That's, like hugely empowering for people and it's not always something that people know you know I don't think that I grew up in a very supportive household but I I, even I find like there's just things that as a culture we're not in tune with explicitly naming and and accepting as valid information Um, and that crosses all kinds of intersections of 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 human experience, um, how how we act on bodies as people in relationships, as people in relationships and fitness, how we act on bodies um, throughout our culture is not an accident, and and just being aware and and trying to respect the process of everybody. Like, I, I used to always use that hashtag, fitness for everybody, and I'd capitalize the E and the B. Um, you know, everybody doesn't mean what you see on a poster. <laughs> there's, there's like, there's so much diversity and universality in terms of human beings. It's, that's the beauty of, of fitness. Why would it be fun if it was all the same? Well, it's kind of like inherently everybody is extremely proficient at being hard on themselves mm-hmm. and it's kind of like even when you think you're giving it all you can give 20% more mm-hmm. and so even even when you are making a concentrated effort to be better yeah. so like I'll use myself as an example because I would think like being active getting sleep eating good food I think I'm giving everything that I have but I am not aware of that extra 20% and that's why like 
community connection i should say is important with people like having meaningful like relationships in your life because i would have a connection with my friend and he would be able to allude to that extra 20% that I like we are not capable of seeing that 20% Mm -hmm. like it's just that's why that's why people are made to be around other people 100% that's why we don't live in like an eggshell for our whole lives we don't stay alone that's why social media and electronics and stuff that's why there is research and studies to say hey you know take a break from that (laughs) that's why people have coffee face to face that's why this podcast is face to face like i'll I'll have guests that are out of town and i think that's like a huge sorry go ahead i'll get (laughs) (laughs) you guess we're out of town i'll have guests that are out of town but i'll make it like a video chat because at least you get that that body language and, and that because i mean if i could fly to each person i would but podcast isn't quite there yet looking for sponsors west yeah but it's just that that connection is so detrimental because we're never going to know about that 20 percent. we just aren't aware we it is not in our wiring to know of it and it's just simple as that i want you to think of a time when somebody showed you that extra 20 percent in yourself Well, sometimes that extra 20% is shown in a way that feels like, oh, wow, I discovered something. And sometimes that extra 20% I felt has been shown to me in ways that are like, dang, that 20%, you know? <laughs> um, you know, there have been so many times it's actually hard to choose. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll speak about a recent time. Um, you know, kind of what we're talking about, like that, that self-training to shut down information, emotional information, you know, when we don't always have names for things, but we can feel them. Um, my good friend, Andrea Penwier, did she say Penwier or Pinoyer? I've been calling her Pinoyer, so it's going to be really embarrassing (laughs) if that's not it. Okay, Andrea. We need to clarify this. <laughs> I'm just going to call you Andrea. Hopefully you listen to the episode and still love us both. <laughs> I say Penway because I'm from Ronnieville. And that's like... Phonetically, that makes sense yeah. with everything. And <laughs> anyway. Andrea P. Yeah. Um, who we both love dearly. Uh, I did get in touch with her um, when I was having some uh, questions about the context I was working in and I was feeling like am I overreacting Um, and she she just like unquestionably validated my emotions Um, and uh, and allowed me to talk about them. It wasn't even that she like said like, here is the 20%, (laughs) you hold it now. It wasn't like that. It was like she just held that space for me to to talk about it long enough to be able to name some of it. And um, also um, my friend Farah Sharif, she also, you know, she's always given 20% all the time. <laughs> she's a 220% kind of person. Uh, 
just and it wasn't even that they they said like hey here's here's what it is they just kind of were like giving giving that time and space for for thought and for feeling without agenda um you know and i think that's the beauty of fitness for me too is like that it's by nature a space for learning to learn about yourself in relationship to the world in relationship to gravity in relationship to energy as well as in relationship to things like sleep and nutrition and you know self-care and connection with community but just even in that most basic way of like being in relationship in a space that is this world and the existence you find yourself in <laughs> um, being able to have other people just acknowledge that space as as valuable enough to spend some time on um, so that that you can think about it and and name your own experience. It's pretty special to feel valued. Oh, absolutely. Like, it, you can't give enough people space. Like, there's gonna be a point where you reach your limit, mm -hmm. but if you're thinking about how you have downtime and you're like, oh, well, what could I possibly do with this downtime? Like, one of the best things you could possibly do is open up your world to somebody else mm -hmm. and it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you know really well because half the time when you're creating the biggest change it's usually somebody that you don't know that well mm -hmm. but not to be overshadowed by like the fact that keeping regular contact with the people that you do know well is mm -hmm. valuable mm -hmm. like i find that all there's a number of people that i'll check in with weekly yeah and it's important. It's super important. It's kind of like uh, scrubbing the floor, cleaning the toilet. Like, it's just, these are the things that allow us to be at our best. Yeah. And we need to acknowledge that. Like, it takes a village to keep anybody afloat. Yeah. Not just to raise kids, not just to support a trainer, not, it's anybody. Yeah. And so That's people, why we're a village. Yeah. <laughs> Some people forget about the village and they get really focused on what resources are out there, what band-aid fixes, what books, all these things. It's just like people, people yeah. first. Yeah, and, and being able to just accept people how they are and that they just inherently have value. You know, people are just, people are really valuable. All people. You know, it doesn't matter if they're, even if they're totally not into things that you're not in, even if they're annoying you. There's value in acknowledging someone that may not align with you. Mm -hmm. Because there's always a lesson to be learned. Absolutely. Like, there's always some way that we can learn more about ourselves. Yeah. And even if, even if they make your life a living hell. <laughs> yes. They Sometimes were supposed the to be. Sometimes people learn the most. They were from. supposed to be in your life. Yeah. But we got on the topic of learning which is important because you're a very skilled teacher. Oh, thanks, Chris. So <laughs> I want to know what life was like before you became a teacher. Ooh, before I became a teacher. Well, some would say I've always been a teacher. Just joking. <laughs> so wise. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, before I was a teacher. So I grew up in a little town called Bonneville, if anybody knows it. Um, right downtown, down the street from the 7-Eleven, nice. the courthouse. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I was always a really good student. Um, I was always a really good student who liked to hang out with non-conforming kids and uh, I was always kind of attracted to um, exploring life, lives that were different from mine because I had this really great, perfect, wonderful like upbringing. My parents were so wonderful and, and supportive and amazing and just like, uh, you couldn't ask for better parents. Um, did their own work and ours, you know, like in all ways. Uh, so supportive. <laughs> and then I finished high school and I came to the big city of Edmonton to go to university. Um, and that didn't go as planned. Um, I uh, got into a relationship and with somebody with so many amazing qualities and also who um, was living through some deeper realities that I didn't understand at the time. And um, yeah, so I was in university and then I, I stopped going for a while. Then I ended up um, marrying that person and having well, first I had a kid, and then we got married. That's the truth. <laughs> anyway, we had four kids in five years, four amazing, strong, just children, just so full of vitality, you know? Like, we were so lucky. We're so lucky with these kids. I, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not so grateful for that. I, don't, I sometimes don't even understand how I got so fortunate with these kids. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, so I, I kind of worked on and off between pregnancies. I was quite sick during all my pregnancies. So I would sort of spend half the pregnancy hanging over the toilet and the other half working. <laughs> um, and then when my youngest was eight months old, I ended up going back to university. It was something like I had always wanted to complete. And... Um, yeah, so when I went back to school, the kids were really small. Uh, Emma was eight months old. Veronica was not quite two. Cameron was, I think, almost four. And Jasmine was six, I think, five or six. They were all really young. Yeah, Jasmine was five. Um, yeah, so I kind of at that time had realized like I had always wanted to go back to university. It was kind of it's kind of an expectation of my family. We have a like we value education. My parents really value education. So having not finished was kind of like something on my on my back that I wanted to get off. And um, it kind of was becoming more clear to me that um, the challenges that my partner was facing weren't really challenges that we would be able to face as a family of five 
unfortunately. And I know it sounds so harsh, like, um, I'm glad that I'm able to talk about it now. <laughs> I would say even, even a few years ago, I probably would have just turned into a puddle talking about it. But um, yeah, it just was becoming more and more clear to me that this nuclear family wasn't going to be how it was going to be for us. So I also needed to finish university so that I could support my family. And um, when I'd gone to university the first time, I had gone with the intention of doing a Bachelor of Arts. And I always kind of had this dream of like uh, teaching and, and maybe developing some kind of program that was like teaching in relation to movement. I grew up as a dancer and, and movement was always a place that I felt really free and, and joyful. Um, I just felt really connected to life through movement. And um, so that had kind of been like my thought process as, a, as an 18 year old graduate. As a 25-year-old mom of four, my thought processes still felt the same, but I had to be a little more logistic about it. And uh, so I went back to university to do Bachelor of Education, and I chose elementary education, early ed stream. I actually love working with all age levels, and I remember at the time I didn't realize that you had to choose. I don't think you have to choose anymore, but back then you did have to choose elementary or secondary and I remember being like but I love all age groups there's great there are great things about all age groups I don't want to choose and then the advisor was like oh it doesn't matter just choose one and you'll end up work working where you end up working sometimes people do early ed and they end up teaching grade 12 it just once the system has you in there they'll figure out where you fit and put you there so I chose early ed in large part because my children were so young and I thought oh this lines up with my life right now and and I do want to learn more about like what my how my children are growing and learning. Um, yeah, and so we were still married at that point and I kind of, I was hopeful that, that maybe healing could happen in some kind of expedited way. <laughs> um, and healing's not linear. So now looking back, I'm like, you know what? Healing is healing and, and you can't predict it. But at the time I really perceived like our, the, dis the dissolution of my marriage is a big failure. Um, I don't see it that way anymore. Now I see it as just part of the process of, of bringing these lives into the world and, and part of my story. Um, yeah, so about two years into my degree, it kind of became apparent that, you know, things couldn't continue. So um, that was when like the official split happened and then I kind of found myself on my own with four tiny kids in university. I mean, <laughs> um, but it's funny because even though that sounds like, what, why would you choose that? Um, it never felt like the wrong decision. Um, and it didn't even feel um, like a decision that was made out of anger. It was more like a decision made out of, honestly, it was a decision made out of love. Um, so I was always really okay with it. Yeah, and so then, um, and then that's how my process of beginning to become a teacher started. And I was really lucky to have amazing support from my parents and my sisters. My parents visited every weekend, mostly I think 
so that I could sleep. My dad would make blueberry pancakes every weekend. He still does that when, when he's visiting the kids. And uh, yeah, I was just really so fortunate. Um, and in so part of my journey also was that uh, I ended up having to access childcare for the first time outside of the family. And that was really scary because <laughs> I mean, they're your babies and after some different tries, <laughs> we happened upon uh, the most incredible association. It's a, I'm going to name it because it's so great. Everybody should know about it. Get your name on the waiting list, guys, because they are amazing. <laughs> Greenfield School Age Daycare Association. Um, it's a nonprofit childcare program in Edmonton. And uh, they were just incredible. Like, I am forever grateful for how they held space for my children to learn. And I think um, they really shaped me as an educator in ways that I wasn't planning for or expecting. You know, it wasn't on, I wasn't registering to learn from them, but I did learn from them. I did end up working there part-time as well um, when, I was, when I was in school, so I would work from seven to nine and then go to university, come back and get my kids, come home. Um, and uh, then I was in the last year of my degree, I got quite sick. Um, I got pneumonia and then I got shingles. <laughs> and uh, I was worried about my health because those are not really like your typical, you know, colds. Yeah. <laughs> and I asked the dog, like, what's going on? Why am I getting so, so sick? And he said, well, how many hours a day do you not work if you count looking after your children and all those things? I was like, oh, like maybe two minutes, <laughs> actually. You know, so that was kind of eye-opening for me. And then I ended up, uh, at, because the daycare was a nonprofit, there's a parent board. And so I was also on the, the parent board. and. Um, the executive director at the time, she, she uh, said to me, we were talking about opening a new site, and she said to me after the meeting, hey, like you're graduating soon, would you ever consider um, being the program coordinator for that new site? And I hadn't ever thought of it, I, it wasn't even on my radar, but I was like, you know what, at this time in my life, this might actually be the most balanced choice. Um, it was near my children's school, you know, I, you hear all these stories about how stressful your first year of teaching is going to be and, and seeing that my health was like not really great, I kind of thought, oh, daycare will be a better option. I didn't know it would also be a lot of work to open a new site. <laughs> Honestly, it was probably the same amount of work. But I'm so grateful for that experience because it shaped me as an educator in ways that I, that I wasn't expecting. It pushed me so far out of my comfort zone. And, you know, reflecting, I, I kind of have come to the realization that that's the difference between learning and education. Um, that was an early learning program and I had come out of an early education program. So learning is gonna happen no matter what you do, you know? That's a different philosophical outlook. And education kind of has an agenda. And not to say that that's a bad thing all the time, but it's different, it's absolutely different. So, um, yeah, it was 
I like to joke with my boss at the time that she had me on a teacher-directed detox program <laughs> because I really had to learn how to follow the lead of children and be a cooperator instead of um, a ruling teacher. Uh, yeah, and, and once I saw the power of the learning that was occurring when I could step back and hold space or step in and hold space, that lean in and lean on, you know, like that, that give and take, I couldn't deny the power of that, that learning. Like that, that knocked everything I had learned um, way out of the park, you know? It was just so impactful and so meaningful um, and so fulfilling uh, that I, I am forever changed by that experience and I'm so grateful for everything that happened even though it felt inconvenient that led up to me having the opportunity to do that um, it's kind of funny because <laughs> it felt like a lot of failures and a lot of mistakes and a lot of inconveniences but it really led me to a place where I don't think I could have I have grown in the same way had those other lead-up factors not not occurred and I'm not sure that I would have been as open to learning them or have seen them in the same way that's understandable and like if a person is really following your story throughout like your life has not been it, it hasn't been absent of obstacles there's been plenty of obstacles things just thrown at you but I want you to think about the last seven days last and I want days. you to think about a moment that you're most grateful for I still think it's last time <laughs> alright seven days I would say you know um, I'm kind of a, a homebody I think I described myself earlier as sort of perceiving myself as a little bit of a loner uh, <laughs> maybe you would use a nicer word now that to say like I don't know introvert but I don't really know that I'm an introvert I'm a little bit extra anyway I would say in the last seven days the most wonderful moment um, has been my kids have they're on we're all on summer holidays right now and so they just bring their bedding and stuff into my room and make beds all around my bed and and sleep in there which is just so like it's just so wonderful to be together like a litter of pups you know <laughs> yeah um and i'm i'm so conscious of time right now because jasmine my oldest is starting grade 12 next year which is in like six weeks um so even though i'm deluding myself into thinking that she will live with me forever i'm very conscious that she's more than ready to step out on her own in the next few months. It's not very long. So I'm kind of relishing those moments of, of just togetherness where we don't have competing pressures and, and we're able just to kind of just chill together, just be together, you know? It's, everybody tells you that when your kids are small that like, it's gonna go by so fast. I remember my dad would always use the analogy, this is a flash in the pan. The kids are doing these things now, but this is a flash in the pan. It's going to be over before you know it. 
And now I'm that person saying that to, to people when I see them with their little ones. Because <laughs> you really, you can't comprehend it until it happens, I don't think. Yeah, and just to, to be present in the, the messiness, you know, the messiness and the unpredictability. That's really the joy. That is the joy. Mm -hmm. And you talk about like homebody or introvert. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like you're around people. Like well, when so I say homebody, there are five of us here. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's so many different ways a person can answer that question. Mm -hmm. And there are so many people that have the exact same variables, same family, all these things, but there just hasn't been a moment where they've understood what's right in front of them. Mm. So it's important to discuss that because maybe, maybe someone is listening to this and they're going through a tough time and the only variable that's missing is what they're identifying as being important. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's tough to bring that up because nobody wants to be told that they're not thinking that the right thing is important. Yeah. But sometimes when it's implied, it can be a, a changing, altering perspective like yesterday my mom called me and she was like my computer isn't working and I was like well um, I, I think it might be working like that that was kind of what I was thinking in my head right. and I was like I'm willing to guess that like I'll get there press the power button and it'll be working and I was like this <laughs> I'm taking this as a sign get in the car go out there and like yeah. that's I can't say that I've always lived that way like there's definitely been times in my life where oh. I would be quite happy to make an excuse yeah and troubleshoot over the phone well yeah a little troubleshoot or just like <laughs> i'm too busy i don't mm -hmm. have time like how many people are always feeling if they're too busy and they don't have time mm -hmm. but it's sort of about what you can get out of your life if you make time for the right things yeah. and being okay with with the fact that like you're not gonna have time for everything well yeah like you're gonna make your to-do list and you're never yeah. gonna get the whole thing done yeah but it's just how your day can change if you frame it in the right way. I like, life is short, it goes by fast, it's kind of unfair. Mm -hmm. And so I really emphasize people. Mm -hmm. And I think I said that five times in this episode, but I don't really care. It can't be said enough. Yeah. It can't be said it's enough. It's just like, you end up in a coffee shop or you end up in a workout class or at a friend gathering or whatever and you're you've got opportunities to like kind of exchange energy or connect with people things like that that get bypassed by excuses mm -hmm. and what what is the means to the end of making that excuse like you can make excuses till you're blue in the face and then you run out of time to make excuses. So if, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, you know, I just, I'm really feeling this mercury retrograde right now. <laughs> it, like, because if, if, I felt it, it hit me in the face. I felt it too. I can't like Sunday, it. I was like, what is this garbage? <laughs> <laughs> but if you're feeling that and you're like, oh, I just, what could I possibly, should I get ice cream or like, should I should I just watch this movie? Like, think about other ways to to create change. And like, we've talked about this before, you and I. But like, 
under like listen to what the expectation is that's informing your discomfort you know inside your inside your feelings inside your mind if if you're not satisfied with what's happening around you like what's the real expectation that's informing that you know i talk about my my parents a lot but um there was a time when my children were young and i looking back i know that i was actually just really stressed and feeling very out of control of my my personal situation that was like when i was getting divorced early days and um i just became very rigid about like cleanliness of the house to the point of it becoming it really took over my life like i would spend entire weekends just like scrubbing walls and of course kids children are for sure like messy and and you do need to keep their environment clean but like if it's to the point that you like can't even take them to the park because you're too busy cleaning that might be out of balance with what your values really are you know and i remember <laughs> one particular weekend um my parents were over and and i kind of was like talking to my, you know, when you're just like saying your list of things that you're gonna do for the day, kind of talking to, I guess speaking to your family, but you're really mostly talking to yourself, <laughs> and saying like, oh, like it's I gotta do this again and that, and I get you know the floors, the laundry, the this, the that, and my dad just kind of sat back and he said, you know, one day you're gonna wake up, and your house is gonna be spick and span, <laughs> and you'll be all alone. <laughs> waiting for somebody to call and come over and I was like yeah I honestly in the moment I was like oh gosh I was annoyed with it but really you know he's right if if life is happening around you there's gonna be some discomfort and what's the expectation in your mind that's informing your discomfort is is the expectation that you want to be with your family or is the expectation that like you're concerned about judgment or or you're feeling out of control um and needing to control your, your environment in ways that maybe aren't actually filling you up. Well, it's very much the same with any point where we experience growth in our life. If we feel in control and we're experiencing growth, we're not really experiencing growth. Mm. We're just kind yes, of I've... meeting the status quo. Mm -hmm. Like, nothing is going to shift if things are in place. There's so many instances in many, 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 many people's lives where they would describe it as the most pivotal moment where whether it be they changed careers, they got married, they had kids, mm -hmm. and they're like, I never expected it to happen at this time. I wasn't prepared, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't change a thing. Mm -hmm. So everybody goes into these moments, myself included, where it's like, there's no way in hell that I could ever make this happen. <laughs> but it happens. And you kind of, you have to have that self-belief. Because yeah. if, if you're talking shit about yourself, it's going to be shitty. Yeah. But if you... Even if it goes well, because you're going to be hearing this negative dialogue. For sure. <laughs> but it's like leaning in. Yeah. But leaning in in that whole trustful sense. Like yeah. you, As a self-employed individual, I trust fall every day. Yeah. And it's not necessarily always reassuring it's like <laughs> i am falling into like that pit from that 300 movie and the only thing missing is the guy saying this is sparta like, seriously huge leap of faith here and it tends to work out 
And it's that whole, like, self-belief, which anybody willing to do something that matters to them has to believe in themselves a whole hell of a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important to instill that in others. Like, that's why it matters more about do you believe in yourself mentally and physically rather than, like, can do you have a beach body? Oh, don't even we won't get into that (laughs) we won't get into that but it's just i'm at the beach aren't i (laughs) yeah i do have a beach body (laughs) yeah that's all we have to really say about that but it's just it's identifying the important things yes and really honing in on what impacts change because certain things just do not and that's why you keep coming back and back and back and you want to move forward and be that 1% better every day. And how you do that, you surround yourself with good people. Yeah. You do things that kind of like make you feel uneasy yeah. because they don't line up with your expectations because people need to kind of abandon some expectations to some extent mm-hmm. if they want to be 1% better. Mm-hmm. And you have to have those people that make you 20. They allude to that 20% yeah. that you could be because of the people that are around you that we can't figure out ourselves which is why we need these connections and these communities and things like that. And it's a, it's a tricky thing to do in business, I think, as a business person, because business hopes to be successful in terms of dollars, but if your business is actually holistically positive, you really have to be okay with the roller coaster. Oh, for sure. You have to be okay with it. And... and and you're never really gonna feel okay with it because it's a roller coaster. So you have to be willing to be uncomfortable. You get really it takes skilled. a lot of bravery. You get skilled at living in that area of discomfort. Breathing through those postures. Pretty much. It's like your whole life is yoga. It, well, it's kind of like you're holding a plank, oh. but you get really good at breathing into your back and like keeping yourself from shaking because you're actually getting oxygen. Mm-hmm. If anybody wants to know more about that, they can come on down <laughs> to the gym and I'll give them a better QA. Of course, I'll help you out. <laughs> but I want to bring us to our last question. And this is a question that I ask all of my guests. If you could give one piece of advice on how to live your life authentically to the fullest, what would that piece of advice be? Hmm. Pay attention to how you communicate verbally, non-verbally, intentionally, unintentionally. Be open to the contexts of others. Be okay with not understanding and still validating. And I I feel like it always comes back to those three things, like love, respect, and gratitude. Meet yourself that way. Meet others that way. And not just others who you think you deserve it, you know? Meet everyone that way. If it's the person that is annoying you with something, if it's the person that you don't even know, if it's somebody that you have really no feelings about. Um, you know, something that the fire really taught me was, you know, it's good to not be attached, but you still do need things. You still need things and you still need people, but it's how you're able to receive how you're able to receive is just as important as how you're able to give. Um, yeah, that it's really just key to me. Like how if you're able to live 
in a loving way, if you're able to live in a grateful way, if you're live, able to live in a respectful way, I think that that can't fail to be authentic. And sometimes respect gets a little bit mixed up with fear. And that's okay. Um, but it's important to acknowledge that, that equation within yourself um, so that you can open respect up to a broader range. The more you're able to open up love, respect, and gratitude to others, you're going to open it up deeper within yourself. You know, actually my son was watching a show recently about like the universe and black holes and stuff. And so it was showing like the visual of, and it almost kind of looked like an infinity sign. And that sort of, that's what I think of when I talk about this, that that outside and the inside are equal. You know, sometimes we think that we're small compared to the world, but we're part of it. So it's actually a balance, it's equal. The love, respect, and gratitude that you're able to show everyone is the same as what you're able to show yourself. You know, if you're playing small with other people, you're playing small with yourself. And Or if you're playing small with yourself, you're playing small with other people. Like yeah. It's interchangeable and people need to take ownership into how they impact others. Mm -hmm. Because even if, even if you see yourself as less than, mm -hmm. you need to understand that you seeing yourself as less than is negatively affecting other people in your life. 100%. So that's why that self-awareness, that self-confidence is so imperative. Because nobody wants to be out there like a rotten banana. Exactly. We want to be good bananas. <laughs> and if you are a rotten banana, you really hope that someone will make you into banana bread. Well, <laughs> to a point. sounds like death. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, I get you know, what you're saying. You know the overripe ones? The overripe ones? You, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they make the best banana bread. <laughs> I want to thank you for serving me breakfast a second oh, time. Thank you for coming for breakfast. It's been wonderful. Paxton's going to start expecting you. I know. <laughs> like, where is he? Yeah, exactly. Where's the ball, dude? <laughs> no, this was an honor to be on your podcast. Thank you for being out in the world and asking these questions. And It's inspiring to listen to you listen. Well, thank you. Yeah. And we'll catch you another time soon. Possibly Yay. on a spin bike. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much, as always, for listening. And please tag me and Caitlin and the Lifestyle Chase account on Instagram if you give this a listen. Help us gain some traction and spread a fun, good conversation. Special thanks to Caitlin for both making me waffles and pancakes. Can't go wrong with that.